Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Yep, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the old crew. Back here in the uh, control room on this Thursday, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, usually with us here in the studio. He will join us by phone in a little while. Yeah, he's uh, he's got I something going on. Expound. Well, I don't, I don't know exactly uh, how much I'm supposed to dive. No, well, you could say when. And, yeah, we got, we're gonna have know, Justin. We're gonna have or? Justin this hour. Uh, he's actually gonna be gone the next couple of Thursdays with different stuff going on. With the, uh, I mean, he's going to South Dakota. He's going to Fayetteville. He's going to Brooklyn. So he's, he's got some uh, travel obligations the next couple of weeks, but he'll be able to keep us posted. He's going to watch uh, a lot of this basketball team, including uh, the game last night at Neville Arena. So we'll have Justin later this hour and in hour number two, as per usual on Thursdays, David Paschal from yep. the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Yep, and and uh, and then around that, your calls. We'd love to hear from you. Were, were you one of the folks over at the Auburn Arena and Neville Arena last night? Um, decent crowd. It. Uh, a lot, a lot of the tickets that were sold, I would say, were folks that were out of town because it was not, uh, it was, it was not full. Well, how but there many... was, I mean, boy, con- compared to just thinking of years past at exhibition games, no, it was a good crowd for how, an exhibition. How many season tickets have been sold to Neville Arena? Uh, as many as they have to sell, right? So I would think that's in the. I don't, I don't know the exact number because you know you the in the in the lower bowl, the student side. Uh, I mean, those those aren't counted as season tickets, so I'd say probably in the five to six thousand range. Right. So you're so you're saying like you even if even if no one actually attends, you sold at least six thousand yeah. tickets through you. And, and, right. and I don't know how many of those season ticket holders you know took the effort to go to last. Night. I mean, yeah, if they're not a, if they're not in town, if you're not or local. Something, it's right. a weeknight. You know, there's there's any number of things. I would have. You know, I, I actually we we did a little extra to go to last night's game because it's not going to be broadcast. We wanted to be mm-hmm. able to uh, to watch it, and yeah, I mean, all told, it was a uh, it was great to see uh, great to see a glimpse of what this team could look like uh, later in the season. Yeah, and it was not a great shooting night for Auburn, uh, at least from outside. I mean, you had Denver Jones go four of eight. The rest of the team goes one for seventeen. I think they will be a. I'm I'm sure they'll be a much better three-point shooting team than we've seen the last couple of years, much better than they were last night. But, uh, I mean, it, it was a, a sort of a sluggish start, and, and then you see Janai Broom go down. I, it was on our end. Uh, now, I was sitting – I was sitting – I had not arrived in, yet. In my the... family, I was sitting in my family seats. I got there right after the Broom injury. Which, which was on the end of the court where Janai went up, and it sure looked like he got hacked. There was no call. And and then he then you realized as the ball went down the court, he's still lying there clutching his right shoulder, uh, his right arm, 
and uh, he 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 laid there for you know for a couple of minutes before being helped up and off the court and came back with an ice pack on the shoulder, and you know it looked you know the first thought was wow did he did he pull that thing is is it out of socket or something? Bruce Pearl after the game said a pinch, he felt a pinch in the rotator cuff. You 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 hope that is and he, he made it seem like shouldn't be anything serious and it is not his shoulders are scary though right they are. I, mean, I mean they are. shoulder injuries oh, they are. are scary tell me can, about it you think it can I've be had, fine i've had i've had 3 surgeries yeah and it, and um, it's two yeah. on one two on one shoulder one on the other the uh, the elasticity you know starts to go as you, as you get older the more basketball you played for someone like Janai. so i i hope he's okay mm-hmm. but may, you know maybe that's something that you know they're they're careful with over the next couple of, uh, of of days and even weeks. I mean, you want him you want him full speed ahead for Baylor next week in South Dakota. Oh, yeah. But uh, but you but you you need him full speed yeah. when you get into can't, SEC play. Yeah, can't risk a, yeah. a more serious injury. So yeah, so maybe uh, maybe Janai sounds like Holloway is uh, is yeah. Is, Aiden yeah. sounded like he could have played if they really needed to. Um, Bruce saying that he tweaked his ankle Sunday and only played a couple of minutes then. So and and acted, you know, uh, felt like he should be good to go well, by next what, after, Tuesday. After the after the Janai injury, it was hard not to focus your attention on the newcomers because I mean, sure. first of all, they they played so much, but also between Denver shooting the ball the way he did, and Cheney Johnson and uh, Chad Baker Mazzara sort of just being really active. Yeah, CBM, I'm, I'm telling you, th- those guys are athletic, aren't they? Yeah, Chad. No, Chad's uh, and and he's and he's. Uh, you know, gutsy, like uh, he's he's willing to take some difficult shots to, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to you know if, if the defense is, uh, is is napping. So yeah, and and then Chaney Johnson seems just like really active and curious to see if, if his uh, size and athleticism can cause some matchup problems. Seems to be able to get to the basket. Uh, I, I think that's going to be w- when everyone is healthy. The Broom and Chaney Johnson front court could be. Uh, something to see for Auburn. A lot, I think, a lot for teams to handle. Now, uh, with Janai out, I thought Dylan played well last night. Dylan, Dylan Cardwell played uh, played very well, and you know he nearly had a double double. Had uh, ten boards along with nine points. Showed a uh, he has a different looking free throw, and he was three of four, I believe. I, I know he was three of four. Did he shoot any after that? I I don't remember because I was back and forth from one end to the other, but I thought. Dylan looked Dylan looked better than he had a year ago. Now the thing to keep in mind is Auburn definitely outsized AUM. AUM was quick, but uh, but but Auburn had the size and physicality advantage. We're talking before we came on, and we'll get Justin's thoughts on this too in a little while when we talk to him. As as I was talking with some of the folks there along um, press row, which I don't mind. I don't mind the new press area. I said access amongst the press is easier than it used to be because you were separated by rows. Now everybody's on the same row up there in the upper level. Um, but one thing that, that I heard from a couple of people is a little concern about when, when Auburn goes against physical big lineups. I mean, Auburn's bigger in the backcourt. They're bigger in the backcourt than they were. And I thought Denver Jones, as a matter of fact, uh, looked pretty good handling the ball, running the point last night. But the the front lot court with, you know, without Janai, I mean, Dylan is a guy that can handle some physicality, 
but his his aggressiveness at times can can get him in foul trouble. And then Auburn doesn't, you know, Jalen is not a big physical guy. He's tall, he's athletic, but he's not extremely physical. Cheney is, but I just wonder when Auburn goes against some physical front lines that. That's going to be interesting to see. Well, we're going to need to see Auburn do what what Bruce Pearl teams have done in the past when they are at a size disadvantage, right? You got to use use your you got to use pace, and you got mm-hmm. to use your yeah your your outside play, and you got to try to, uh, to 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 pull teams into more of a track meet than they're going to want to do. Because yeah, I think this is a team that while while they're not going to be overmatched in the front court, I think against the best teams in college basketball, maybe there could be. Now you don't see. You remember in the past we would talk about the size disadvantage at guard. Right. Like, like, yeah. I don't know not if anymore. Not, yeah. not now. I don't know if you're necessarily running into, <laughs> oh, it's going to be tough to it's going to be tough to defend on the outside because your guards are going up against bigger guards all the time. I don't know if that's going to be the case. No, nah, because with Trey with, and Denver and, and and Chad and Chad Chad's yeah. Chad's yeah. the other wing and he's six, seven. Yeah. You so know, I mean, so I, you've that, got six, four, six, seven uh, along with um, your, your point guard. And and Trey is not small. Now, we didn't get. Yeah, obviously didn't get to see Aiden. Last night, uh, Trey didn't score a lot, but he didn't didn't shoot a lot. He had eight or nine assists last night. So seemed to really be trying to get the other guys involved. Right, like it seemed what Trey Donaldson was doing, and and maybe that's um, no, that's I think that's what you want to see out of a point guard. You know, if, if he's not going to rely heavily on his own offense uh, to to get things going. So yeah, I think that's uh, I, I find myself, and part of it's because of what Bruce said about Trey Donaldson in the interview. Uh, that we had with him uh, last week on the drive. Um, speaking of which, tomorrow, uh, Johnny Harris. Right? Yeah, that's have, right. We'll, gonna... we'll, we'll have uh, uh, Johnny on, uh, Coach Harris on tomorrow at 5. So, yeah, full show tomorrow. Scott Bagwell uh, previewing Auburn's regular season finale at, at uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Coach Johnny Harris at 5, and then around 5.15, Coach Don Dunn. That's right. So, so looking forward to tomorrow's show. You're not going to want to miss uh, Auburn women's basketball Coach Johnny Harris on the drive, but but no. As, as for uh, what Coach Pearl said uh, last week on the show, you know, he, he told the story about what a mentor uh, Trey Donaldson has been mm-hmm. for Holloway and what a what an exemplary teammate uh, he's been for a you know, which is all the more impressive when you think about. I mean, they're in a full fledged competition for the job. I mean, this is a guy that Trey Donaldson. I mean, if, if he wanted to be selfish and not do everything he could to be the best teammate possible for Holloway. Uh, you know, I, I think there are folks who would say, well, it's it's understandable because they're in competition for the same job. Trey Donaldson has not approached it that way. And I find myself really rooting for him to succeed. I think that's a uh, it's a testament to uh, uh, to his character that he's despite the fact that they're in competition, he's uh, he's doing everything he can uh, to help get uh, Holloway ready. And you were talking about um, Trey looking for other guys offensively. Auburn's got some offense. They uh, I, I know it's been a private uh, scrimmage and then an exhibition game, but um, Auburn scored triple digits both times. Don't expect that every time out, but this team's got the ability to score a lot of points and score a lot of them quickly. They went on a 19 nothing run last night. I believe they had another 12 nothing run in the second half, and I don't think that's that's going to be the only time that happens. I think they're going to be a team that can score a bunch in a hurry. So they're going to be a fun team to watch once again. So if you were there, we'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I know a lot of folks lamenting the fact that they couldn't watch the game. But uh, I, now I spoke to someone today who said that they, they heard us talking about, well, maybe Bruce didn't want 
Baylor to see the film. He said that uh, someone very close to the situation that would know said, well, they had Baylor's film and, and they had sent film from last night to Baylor. Okay, so, so, may, so maybe that's not it because so that, if, if teams share... It sounded ex- like a great Yeah, well, if teams share... Ex- I mean, I, I don't know what the rules are regarding sharing exhibition film or if it's if it's uh, yeah, I don't industry either. standard or customary. I, I, guess, could, I, I think it's... It's customary. I, don't I could know that see it's mandatory. Yeah, I, I could see how if you didn't want your opponent to see your exhibition, ah, you the know, cameras went from, out last night. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> if if it's uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's also it's also you know fair to wonder exactly how much can be gained from mm-hmm. from especially a scrimmage where Holloway doesn't play and Janai Brown right. only plays three minutes. Uh, but but no, it's it's uh, that was one of the theories. I don't know. I don't it know sounded how, good. I don't know how widespread exhibition broadcasts are in general. Yeah, I don't either. either. So I, I wonder if that's maybe a thing that's for live crowds more than anything else. You know, something else we should mention about last night's game, Bill. Piece of history. Uh, beer sales, right? Oh, oh yes. You want to you want to you pass that um, piece of news along? There, there are multiple there are multiple locations. Kios- where, would you call them kiosks? Kiosks. Yeah, I, mul- would, I would. Multiple multiple large kiosks. Yeah, multiple kiosks on the second and third floor concourses mm-hmm. where. Seems like uh, seems like uh, people of legal age, right? Uh, can, uh, can you know fa- fans attending the uh, the game can and, and can, a pretty can buy good a selection, I would say. Yeah, uh, you know, I wondered if we could use our voucher. Uh, at I the, don't at think the, so. at the beer kiosk. I I'll don't ask, think so. I'll they ask. would they would have that, and uh, well, I guess I guess Kathy doesn't write your name on the voucher, but they were saying at first, well, you would need your pass along with the voucher. Maybe if you tried that, they'd take your pass up. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I wouldn't. You know, I I won't be trying. Well, I could trade the voucher and the pass for two. Is that what yeah, you think? Well, no. Or? If you trade the voucher and the pass, you may be trading that. You may be trading that pass for good. Yeah, that's probably. true. Well, we, that's we, what I would be thinking. Well, we're we're already on thin enough ice. So yeah, really. Probably shouldn't probably, probably yeah, shouldn't don't take uh, risk, advantage of anything. risk that. But but no, I thought fans would be uh, fans might be excited oh, yeah. to hear that. Yeah, now uh, beer sales have come to and apparently uh, uh, to yeah, Neville Arena. Apparently, Jordan Hare Stadium next year. Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So uh, anyway, there, there's our quick report on last night's exhibition win. 102-66 was the final, Auburn over AUM. We'll uh, obviously talk some football again. We'll have uh, David Pascal joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. Justin Ferguson will join us here in the next uh, half, the next 15 to, to 20 minutes. We'd love for you to join in. How can you do so? Well, you can give us a call on the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. And that number is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, however you get your podcasts. We'll get to our first break. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, a uh, c- couple, let's see, big, some some big local news. Yeah. As uh, Opelika High School is uh, uh, looking for a head coach. That's right. Eric's, football, head Eric, football coach. Eric Speakman, after uh, six years as the head coach at Opelika High School, 24 years at Opelika High yeah. School in uh, in different roles, uh, let go earlier this morning. Uh, Speakman confirmed to AL.com 
that he was fired. Uh, it was not a resignation. He, he, uh, he said, quote, uh, I got fired. I did not resign. Resigning means quitting. I was not going to quit on these kids. I was not retained, unquote. Uh, he's been at, uh, uh, he was uh, hired by Spence McCracken in, what, in 2000? 24 years? Yeah. Yeah, so, so 2000 was when uh, Spencer Kraken hired him. Uh, he was promoted after uh, Caleb Ross left for the Prattville job uh, after the 2017 season. Speakman, 45 and 25 as Opelika uh, mm. head coach. 5-5 uh, five and five last year, 4-6 and six, uh, this season. But I guess back-to-back years without making the playoffs, mm. not, uh, not acceptable since, to, to, you know, the – and that's, Powers it be. that's since they were elevated to seven eight. Who right. had, had a uh, had a remarkable run as the as the six uh, eight coach, uh, thirty six and fourteen, uh, advanced in the playoffs a couple times, state semifinals in nineteen. But uh, yeah, last two years in seven A, Opelika has struggled. Now they're looking for a new coach. <sighs> yeah, that's that that is that is tough. Best wishes to uh, to coach. Yeah, and lo- love, uh, lo- yeah. Lo- I mean, uh, really really appreciate uh, Eric Speakman, and uh, he, he's uh, so- someone who's, uh, who's who's reached out. Uh, to the show in the past, and so uh, yeah, hope uh, hope all the best uh, for him and uh, and 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 his because that's a uh, yeah, it's I mean, twenty four years, it's it's you know got to be got to be difficult. Yeah, no no question about that. Um, how about our baseball season is done? It is over. The Texas Rangers do something that has never been done before, and especially with the extended playoffs that we have, they went unbeaten on the road. Yeah. Eleven and zero on the road. That's that's just mind-boggling. Well, and I think what's what's more incredible about the Rangers' run to the uh, to the World Series championship is, I mean, this was a team that was supposed to have Degrom at the beginning of the yeah, season. That, that's right. That that falls apart. They add Scherzer, but he's not healthy really. The he's entire missed, he missed the last month and then came back and wasn't healthy and had to leave his last start after in the third or yeah after I guess in the third or after the third inning. Well, yeah, I did did see some folks that said uh, uh, Mets, some Braves fans saying, uh, how do the Mets feel seeing DeGrom and Scherzer get rings when they didn't really play big factors in them doing so? And and I think this is a, uh, I mean, Corey Seager continuing potential Hall of Fame career? Yeah, I mean, got, you you've, got to, you've got to think that. I mean, he's a two-time World Series MVP. Yeah, only 29 years old. He'll be, uh, he'll, he will turn 30. Uh, during next season, but he joins Reggie Jackson as the only uh, one, only position players to win uh, two World Series MVPs in their career. So yeah, a a, a great postseason. Did Reggie do it with two teams, or was it with the? Or, or Let me check on that both times because Corey's. I mean, obviously done it with two different teams. So uh, yeah, so would Reggie Jackson have won a World Series MVP as a non-Yankee? Would he have done it? I don't think they. I don't think they won with the A's. Okay, I'll check on that. I don't think, but. Uh, I, I remember 73 and 77. So he would have done it as an A in 73. Did, yeah, 77 is when he hit the three homers in one game. Yeah, so, so Reg, Reggie Jackson. So uh, he did as an yeah. A and a Yankee. And won the, yeah, was, was part of the three-peat uh, for the A's, uh, 72, 73, 74. Yeah, okay. So uh, it's still two people have done it. Two position players have, have ever done that. So baseball season done, and, and that's good. I mean, I didn't. I really don't like baseball going too deep into November. We go to November first, and it's done. That's okay. And and I think that maybe because the Diamondbacks and the Rangers were both such unlikely representatives from their leagues. Oh, the TV that, numbers. Well, I don't even worry about the ratings too much. Yeah. But the you know the fact that these are uh, yeah, just it just felt like a a quieter World Series than we've had uh, in the past. But that that can happen when. Uh, you have a uh, when when you have a playoff format that allows a team to 
you know, a wild card team can get hot and go and go and go all the way, and that you know, it, it doesn't have to doesn't be. Doesn't seem to bother anybody in in some other sports, no. basketball, for example. I, I mean, mean, it's it's a little. I think it's a little unfortunate that a season as long as baseballs can then come down to just a couple of games uh, in the postseason. You can't have yeah. a, a you know best of twenty one. Well, or the, no, the, I guess the the flip side would be. You can't it is, have. It's a best of seven. Well, you're not going to get to the series. What you're what you're not going to have anymore is just the top two or top four right. from from each league making it, which I think would be. I mean, in, in general, I'm in favor of smaller postseasons because it gives the regular season a little bit more juice. But I understand I'm fighting an economic battle there because right. pe- people love playoff. Well, people love playoff games. People want more playoff games. That's what the TV networks want, and so it's you, it's all about yeah. in, in every sport now. It's it's all about. I mean, not college football yet, but it's all about. Peaking at the right time. You know, you, you need to peak as you're hitting the postseason. Or, you know, if you're fortunate enough to get in the postseason and you haven't peaked yet. Which, which there are is, many teams I can imagine that would be in the postseason and go, well, you know, we still haven't played our best yet. And, and I do think there's something to the idea that the Braves and Dodgers both suffered from, I mean, clinching their division as no early competition as they did. I mean, down they, the stretch. Yeah, I mean, just down the stretch, they weren't playing, as opposed to the Diamondbacks. Who yeah. were playing? They were fighting for their lives yeah, they were, to get in the postseason. They, they were playing playoff games, and all the up. Rangers were fighting to try to win the division. Exactly. And they lost yeah. it on the last day of the regular season. I mean, I mean, the Braves and the Dodgers were up very comfortably throughout most of of August and September in the division, which you know maybe, maybe that could hurt a uh, maybe maybe that could hurt a team when, yeah, the, when, uh, when maybe, the switch flips. Maybe some of the the uh, the iron shar- sharpens <laughs> iron kind of thing, playing against uh, the better competition. Then you would think though you wouldn't want to necessarily be playing against all the best teams. Uh, I guess if you'd already clinched. You might as well. Looking, but then you'd know some of the – they'd know too much about you maybe as, as you were getting into the postseason. I'm looking forward to this baseball offseason, though. I think we're going to see some really big names switching teams. Otani is, is, the, is the obvious one. Juan Soto's probably not going to be a Padre when the season starts. We'll see what happens there. Well, the um, Padre, the, the, I think the Padres I, are going to make a few moves. I am, I am firmly of the opinion that if Shohei Otani leaves, the Angels should trade Mike Trout for the best package possible and – uh, and raise the white flag on the rest of this decade because you're. I mean, you you didn't win with Otani, right? Like you're gonna you're gonna let him leave and then uh, put some you know make make some tinkers and suddenly that team's gonna be uh, ready ready for the postseason against uh, in a division with the, probably a better chance of you collecting some talent and being better in a couple of years yes. than trying to hang on and hope you add some more pieces. Uh, that you can't really afford. Try, trying to win with Trout in in the in the last you know four or five or however many years Mike Trout has left as a top tier player. Yeah, I would think that trading him to a team that is more built for winning right now would be. And that could that could be Atlanta, by the way. I mean, I would say you know look, looking at the teams that are trying to win right now with interesting pieces in their farm system. Uh, yeah, I think that that's uh, I don't know could could be really exciting. And there's pitchers that that could be on the move as well. So yeah, I think it could be a really active. Off season with some huge names uh, switching teams. Uh, one other one other note: we'll, uh, the, the Yankees have to be involved in some of this, right? The Yankees got to sure go, go get somebody, right? You would I mean, think this uh, Hank just not. Well, he wants to hang on to the money. Is it? Is I don't it, know. Are they spooked by the Stanton deal and some uh, of the other? Con- I mean, some of the contracts they you know some of the, some of the trades and and contracts they've given people that haven't worked out make them think. Well, you know, we got to. You know, they, are they getting gun shy there in the uh, in the front office? That's probably because uh, that because maybe because who maybe because George uh, never got George. No, you're right. He didn't care. Just spend some more. You know, and uh, and if you and if you make a deep playoff run, it might justify your spending. Yeah. It might in justify New York your, it with, might, with their rights. With yeah, the, yeah, no with kid. those ticket prices, it might justify the spending after all. Yep. One other note wanted to get to uh, today. Uh, we uh, we we saw some buzz about it 
uh, the last couple of days. But uh, Jamarian Fat Burnett, the Andalusia running back, decommitting from Auburn. Don't think that was a big surprise to a lot of folks here over the last few days. Yesterday, I think he had announced that he was opening his commitment back up, but still 100% committed to Auburn. A day later, he's decommitted from Auburn. Uh, I, think, I don't know what I these think Auburn, Auburn has more pressing needs. I mean, nothing against him because he's a really good running back from Andalusia. But Auburn has uh, more pressing needs, I think, than another running back I, right now. I guess I don't know what words mean anymore, Bill, when it's like I'm 100% committed to Auburn. But I will be reopening. But I'm my, opening my commitment. But I will be hearing offers from I'm other people. I'm open to other offers. Well, you know. Yeah. I don't know. One. It feels like feels like half of that sentence is in conflict with the True. other half of that sentence. Um. Yeah. I mean, maybe if maybe it's like I'm almost 100 percent committed, but whatever. He turns out he's zero percent. It turns out. Today. Yeah. It turns out that's one of those things where you're either uh, you either are or you aren't. It's yes. not a percentage based uh, situation. And and yeah, I think. I mean, look, you could still end up at Auburn. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see, but now it also sounds like he's going to be hearing offers from uh, a lot of other schools in the area mm-hmm. as well. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. We'll check in with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer on the other side. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and our regular Thursday co-host is now joining us on the phone. That's, of course, uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, other than the fact that I'm sitting in Atlanta traffic right now. But oh, that's talking, right. to you guys is definitely, talking to you guys is definitely going to make this go a lot better. So I appreciate, appreciate you letting me hop on. We don't, we don't want to distract you. No, it not at all. Your, it requires your full attention. I hope, but, you're, hope you're hands-free there on the, but, uh, at least oh, as yeah, far as the phone is concerned. But, but Justin, you, you were at Neville Arena uh, last night, got to see the exhibition, Auburn taking on the Warhawks of AUM. You know what? Nice little contingent. We mentioned this on the podcast. Nice little contingent of AUM fans who, uh, who, made, who made that trip, which I thought was cool as well, although they were certainly outnumbered uh, by the Auburn University fans that were there to, uh, uh, to see the Tigers. What would you think of, uh, of Auburn uh, in, in our first glimpse of what this team uh, looks like in, uh, in, in this upcoming season? Yeah, I think my big takeaway was the fact that you know Auburn didn't have uh, Aiden Holloway and, and didn't have Janai Broom past the first three minutes of this game. And they still scored more than a hundred points in regulation um, without shooting the three pretty well. I mean, you four for eight from Denver Jones. He looked as advertised, but Katie Johnson was the only other Tiger to hit a three all game. They finished twenty five percent from deep, or I'm sorry, twenty percent from deep. You know, and, and and yet they still were very efficient on offense. And I know people can look at it and say, okay, well it's AUM, you know, big deal. There were plenty of times last season where we saw Auburn have a clear, you know talent or size or athleticism advantage over teams and yet the offense was just so hard to come by so for the fact that Auburn that was able to do that uh in this game I thought was a pretty good sign um you know missing who could be two of your best players this season and not shooting the three well and still putting up a lot of points and bunches um you know there were very few times last season where Auburn was this efficient from two-point range 
got off to a slow start, turned the ball over a lot, and missed some shots. After that first four minutes, though, uh, Auburn really took the game by the throat, and I was just very impressed with the efficiency of the offense in spite of a couple of factors going against them. And, of course, the transfer is doing so well. Denver Jones, uh, your leading scorer, your second leading scorer coming off the bench is uh, is Chad Baker-Mazar, and he played really well, got to the line a lot. And then uh, you had Janie Johnson uh, as, your, as your number three scorer. He could have an even, even better game, kind of a rough game from the free throw line from him, but played really well outside of that. So, I mean, your three newcomers going out there and playing as well as they did in this first game and Auburn just looking different on offense without having some of their big weapons, uh, I think that's a really good sign for where this team's at at this point in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, other than Denver, one for 17 from three, but what what, what were the final numbers inside? I mean, I, I remember it at one point, I think Auburn had missed uh, only three or four shots inside the arc. Yeah, they shot 67% from two-point range. Oh, it dropped. It was over 80. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it was over 80 <laughs> at one point. It was really, it was really good. I'll say another thing, too. Layups and dunks. Auburn had a lot of those in this game. Got to the got to the rim and, and finished. That was something we saw last season where just Auburn had a hard time finishing shots around the rim. Um, did a really good job in that one as, as well. But yeah, kind of faded a little bit. But there was one point in, this, in the in the first half where I think they missed. It was like they missed six straight uh, two point attempts and then hit eight in a row after that. Then had one and then six in a row after that. I mean they had these gigantic stretches of great two point field goal percentage. I asked Bruce Pearl about it afterwards. I thought they were fairly efficient. You know, the, the the slow start kind of stuck stuck with him a little bit, which is what you're going to you know hear a lot of times from a coach. But um, I did think Auburn did a good job. A variety of guys getting to the rim, and yeah, when their shots weren't falling, I mean, it wasn't like Auburn was just jacking up bad threes. A lot of them were in rhythm. A lot of them were good looks. It just didn't go down. And Pearl said after the game, "I'm not worried about the three point shooting. We've shot it really well all all preseason long. It was an off night for everybody outside of Denver, basically." We're going to be fine. Those were good looks. Um, and, and I tend to agree with them. I, I've, I've watched this team a lot in the preseason. They have been shooting the ball really, really well. Last night, kind of a cold night, kind of an off night. You know, you'll live with it. Uh, but I think the bigger story is just being being as efficient as they were in two-point range, taking advantage of the fact that they were the bigger, longer, stronger team uh, and, and playing like it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say and get your comments. I mean, yes, Auburn was efficient around the rim, but they were the bigger team last night. And and that's one thing I just wondered talking with a few folks uh, at the game last night, and some of the you know some of the folks there along uh, press row as well. It'll be interesting when Auburn goes up against a big physical front line. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I thought Dylan Carwell played really well last yep. night. Um, you know, playing more minutes. You know, with, with Broom out, um, Jay Williams had a really good game as well. Coming in, having to play some five, uh, and that you just don't want to be a situation where. You only look like that when you're that much bigger than everybody else. Um, and, 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 you know, you know, Dylan's been one of those guys that Bruce has gone above and beyond to talk about here in the preseason about just how well he's played and how well he's developed and improved. Yeah, you want to make sure you do that, um, you know, if, if you're Auburn. I think rebounding, they, they, you know, did what they needed to do on the board. Still probably a little too many offensive boards uh, in this game for, for AUM, but they were shooting long and rebounding long. Auburn's going to have to do a better job of corralling those. But, yeah, I mean, I think – you did what you were supposed to against a team that was smaller than you. All right, what are you going to do now when you face the teams teams coming up that are going to be you know equal or even bigger than you, really physical? And I'm not entirely sure what Baylor's front line looks like, but I know what Scott Drew teams usually look like and what Baylor front lines usually look like, and they're usually long and super athletic. 
Um, and so that'll be a test on Tuesday night for sure. Yeah, I'd love to know sort of your thoughts on uh, the guys that were making their debuts in Auburn uniforms last night, Cheney and Chad Baker. Uh, I mean, at Denver as well, though Denver's played – uh, you know, qu- quite a bit of, of Division One college basketball before coming to Auburn. But yeah, just your thoughts on how those guys seem to be fitting in, uh, where they could excel, uh, things that they you know, m- might need to work on uh, over the course of the year? Yeah, I thought, I thought uh, you know, all three of those guys played well as, as, as leading scorers. I think outside of the free throw shooting from Cheney, you had a pretty good game from all three of those guys. Um, and, you know, Denver's just got pure mechanics, and he's a great shooter, and, and just he showed it on, on, on Wednesday night, and that's exactly what you want but Cheney um you know he's a guy that's that's uh you know not necessarily going to be as big and bulky as some of the forwards that are going to face but he's got that explosive first step got that energy Dan we were talking at the game you kind of were looking like hey he's kind of got a little bit of an Anthony Macklemore going on as a guy who's about six seven six eight playing in the front court uh Cheney's got that explosiveness and he moves a lot better and kind of bends a lot more um like you want out of out of, out of a power forward in this system yeah, I thought he played really well um, and, you know, made some great plays on offense and defense. Just got to tighten up the free throws, and that's usually one of his better areas of his game. And the Chad Baker was all right. I was really impressed with the fact that, you know, Chad scored as much as he did without hitting the three, and that has mm-hmm. kind of been his M.O. has been a dead eye throughout his career um, shooting the ball. You know, had a couple, missed a couple early, and then decided, you know what, I'm getting a lot driving to the rim. Let's go ahead and do that. Um, nine and nine from the free throw line. Made some plays on, on uh, some good hustle plays on defense. Just really long. He's got that length just really stands out. He's got the wingspan and the height that you kind of want at that. And he's a great upgrade. And I, I like that pairing of him and, and Chris Moore at the three. Um, and I think situationally um, they bring you different things. But um, just effort and rebounding and length and energy, uh, both of those guys have that in spades. And I think, you know, the more and more we get into the season, the more, the more he becomes comfortable with this offense, I think you're going to see – uh, a lot more from uh, from Chad Baker Mazzara being able to pull up uh, from deep, but yeah, all three of those guys play well, and they are definitely upgrades to what Auburn had. Uh, Bruce Pearl said it last last night. You know, they did a really good job of uh, uh, they did a really good job of um, you know taking advantage of, of of the off season and really blending into this team. Yeah, the, the comment about uh, Macklemore and, and Cheney. I mean, I was thinking more Cheney physically resembles. Anthony Macklemore. They are. They are about. He seems a little thicker to me. A, than, a little, than a little bit thicker. Although, although they are. I mean, I think. I think they're pretty close in listed height and weight. And I would say even athletically, yeah. like Anthony, you know, I, I don't know if he ever got back everything after the Achilles injury uh, at at the end right. of the at the end of the seventeen season. I mean, early on he was a you know a, a pretty active, undersized five. That's not how they're going to use Cheney. But now I think Cheney's fitting in, and and they're both guys that. I think pretty, you know, in their high school careers, maybe even in their, their college careers, you know, people didn't know what kind of role they would play for a major college basketball team, having to do that, what, underdog mentality to uh, to, to get where they are. And, yeah, I think that's really going to serve Cheney well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And Bruce has said that a ton. You know, this is a guy who was on the bus eating McDonald's on pretty much every road trip in D2. And he said, he told us earlier this week, like, you know, Cheney's treated every day like his birthday, like he's come to, since he's come to Auburn because – you get all the bells and whistles that come with playing in SEC uh, basketball. And look, I mean, everything that has been said and written and, and, and what I've seen from him so far is that, man, he looks like he belongs at this level. It might take some time for him to kind of fully get going, but uh, he's got he's got a lot to his game, you know. And, and I think with the Ant comparison, it's like Ant was a, Ant was a center who could do some guard things. Um, I think the – better comparison is I think Cheney's a guard who can do some forward things 
uh, and that's why he's kind of playing really well at that power forward spot. Same spot that they played Jalen Williams the last few years, and obviously we know what kind of guard background Jalen's got. Let's uh, yeah yeah uh, talk about a couple of the other guys. I thought uh, KD was was KD, but he wasn't. It didn't. He was more under control. It appeared last night. Than, uh, than, than we've seen him at other times. Now, you would expect, you know, that's sort of what, what you get from a guy that's in his third year with Coach Pearl. Yeah, I thought he played really, really well. Four steals in the first half, just getting really disruptive. Didn't foul a lot either. I think he got into some foul trouble there a little bit in the second half, but that was that was probably just a tighter whistle than anything. Um, yeah, no, you really like it if you're Auburn uh, with what you're getting out of Katie Johnson. I thought he accepted the role last season of being a six-man coming off mm-hmm. the bench really well. Second half of the season last year, he looked healthier. His arc, his, he brought more arc back on his three-point shot, um, looked good. Obviously, he didn't hit but just one three last night, but you know, had some really tough makes. Uh, had a really good, like, leaning uh, mid-range jumper that I, I was really impressed with. That's a ty- type of guy, you know, he's played a lot of college basketball, played a lot of SEC basketball. You can turn him loose at this time of year. Um, you know, it, it's a really good bench pickup for them. thought Jalen played really well. As well, having to moonlight some as a center in this game because of the, the injuries to Jani Broom. Um, look, I mean, Jalen has played as much Auburn basketball as anybody has, and he could be coming off the bench this year. I think that says a lot about him, and I think it says a lot about what the depth of this team could look like, especially when they get into their rotations. And I'll give you another one. Trey Dawson turned the ball over early in the game, didn't have another one again right. the rest of the contest. Eight assists, just one turnover. I thought he looked in command of the offense. Again, it is JUM, but you look at some of the stuff where it really doesn't matter who the opponent is. I thought, you know, from my perspective, he was doing a really good job of seeing the floor well, pushing the tempo, getting his guys out to run a little bit, and setting guys up very well. He had eight assists. I bet he had a few more hockey assists in that game because he just did a really good job of pushing the ball up the floor, getting it, getting into guys' hands. Didn't have to score much in this game. Didn't matter. Um, had a couple good fast break finishes. Um, but, you know, I, I really thought he looked great at, at being a floor general. And I know y'all thought about it, and we've thought about it as well on our podcast. That second-year Trey Donaldson, a guy who has been a multi-sport athlete for pretty much his entire career, um, getting that second-year bump, I mean, it could be pretty pretty special this year. Even if he doesn't start, even if he doesn't finish games, and I might could, that could end up being Aiden Holloway's game, Trey Donaldson is going to be a key part of this basketball team. And and one other thing, yet yeah, I wanted to get to the point guards because without Aiden, Denver was yeah. out there, and I thought Denver looked pretty comfortable at the point as well. Yeah, absolutely, no turnovers. Um, which Bruce said he did the same thing on. Uh, so so Aiden Holloway tweaked his ankle against Furman in that behind closed door scrimmage on Sunday. Auburn still scored a ton in that game. Played really really well. Bruce said they played a lot better in that game than it did last night. Uh, and again, it was coming up against a D one team. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Denver not turning the ball over, looking pretty comfortable. Hadn't played a ton of point, point guard in his career. Played some when he was a senior in high school, he said, but that, that's kind of it. Um, yeah, very good facilitating and, and keeping the action going, and obviously a guy that can, can pull it uh, from deep and uh, you know, get you a bucket. He's one of those guys where, like, hey, if you late in the shot clock, you have to reset. Worst thing to do is to kick it out to a guy like Denver Jones and let him go to work, um, and he did a really good, good job with that last night. It does sound like Aiden Holloway is going to be available for the mm-hmm. Baylor game. That's what Bruce said last night. He probably could have played some last night. They just didn't want to risk it. Um, and so, you know, but I think it's a good sign that if anything happens to Aiden or Trey here in the season, you can you can slide Denver over there, and he looked pretty comfortable doing it. Hey, Justin, can you uh, can you hang out for another segment? We talk some football, or 
Yep. Right, yeah, cool. I, yeah, absolutely. Great. We'll do that. We'll get to our final break. One more segment with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Stick with us as we continue here with the Thursday Drive. Hey, Sportsy at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final segment of hour number one here on this Thursday. Bill and Dan in the studio. Justin Ferguson, usually with us here in the studio, is in the traffic in Atlanta. And we, we appreciate him spending a little time with us. Justin, before we uh, get back and talk a little football, I mean, there, there's a lot going on. Basketball getting started. Football coming off a, a uh, positive win and uh, about to head on the road to Nashville. Uh, just let folks know what, what all you've got going up the, at the Observer and how they can get it. Yeah, it's a great time to sign up. Like you said, this morning we had a podcast previewing this Vanderbilt game coming up and recapping the, the exhibition. Had observations from the exhibition today, so if you weren't able to make it out to the game, we broke it down for you there. Got mailbag tomorrow, a lot of good stuff in there from football and basketball. A ton of stuff this week previewing Vanderbilt football and kind of where Auburn is right now in this matchup. And, yeah, I mean, we've, we, I'll be in Nashville. It's going to start a pretty wild trip. I'm going from Nashville to South Dakota, to Arkansas, and coming back, and I'm going to Brooklyn in a couple weeks for, for Auburn's game. So there's a ton of stuff. We're going to be there for all of it, Auburn football and Auburn basketball. So auburnobserver.com, sign up, $6 a month or $60 a year. We email everything out to you, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast, so you can read and listen on your own time. And it's truly the best time of year to sign up because we are giving out a ton of stuff uh, pretty much every day. What, what, are you, uh, what are you thinking for Saturday? Auburn and Vanderbilt in, uh, in, in Nashville. Auburn picks up their first conference win last week against State. Uh, we'll see if that momentum can carry over now they go on the road against a, a Vanderbilt team that has struggled uh, this season. Yeah, I really like this matchup for Auburn offensively. It reminds me a lot of the Mississippi State matchup from last week and the fact that Vanderbilt gives up a ton through the air, especially like percentage-wise. Last month of the season, opponents are averaging well over 70% of their uh, completion, per, you know, per, completion percentage is really, really high. Um, they've struggled. And, and the other thing is Vanderbilt, unlike Mississippi State, I mean, remember last week we were talking, hey, get the ball out of Peyton Thorne's hands quick. You know, State can get after the quarterback. They've got a pretty good run, run defense. Um, despite that, you know, Auburn succeeded there. Well, in this matchup, Vanderbilt doesn't have either of those things. They aren't a team that gets to the quarterback very often, and they have one of the worst run defenses in the country this season on a per-play basis. So, for Auburn, I think offensively, it's a really good matchup. Just go out and do what you did last week against Mississippi State. Um, just do it away from home in a weird environment and strange place. It's not going to be a crazy, like, you know, tough environment to play in. It's not going to be Tiger Stadium or Cal Field, but uh, it'll be weird. It'll be odd. Uh, there might be more Auburn fans than the Vanderbilt fans there, but it, it's not going to be very many to begin with. So, you know, I think that's that's the thing is, like, can you just take this show on the road and prove that last week wasn't a fluke for Auburn on the offensive side? I think this is. Oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, yeah, I, no, no, no. I, I was just thinking. I mean, it it would be hard. I guess the one thing you'd worry about is why are they looking ahead to Arkansas? But I mean, they need to prove sure. this on the road. I don't see any reason why Auburn doesn't go up there and play well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how about you freeze this week saying, "Hey, I'm scared," you know, of of, of playing up in Vanderbilt. I've I've lost up here before. I know it's a tough. It can be a tough place to play. Don't overlook this team. Um, when your head coach is coming out and saying, like, hey, we got to take this game super seriously and maturely, I think that sets the tone uh, for, for sure. And, and, again, Vanderbilt's got some stuff that can kind of give Auburn some trouble. Will Shepard's a really good receiver, yep. one of the best in the SEC. They've had a harder time getting the ball to him with, with, with Seals, and, and uh, now they're going with Walsh Taylor, the big, the big uh, quarterback out of Jackson. 
Um, they've had a hard time getting the ball to a harder time getting the ball to him, but when they can, he's a big time playmaker. Really, really good. Here's an interesting tidbit about uh, about Vanderbilt. As much as they've struggled this year, they're number three in the SEC in explosive passing plays this year. Yeah, they, something they like get it 39 up. of them. That's yeah, unbelievable. they're really good at, at stretching the field. That's the one thing, when you're an underdog like Vanderbilt's going to be, you're just going to want to hit those kind of big plays and hang in there. Um, last week, Auburn's defense did a really good job of getting stops, only held, held Mississippi State to 13 points. That's a good game. But State did hit some big plays downfield on them, and so that's something you need to tighten up in this game. So, there's some stuff about Vanderbilt that can make them hang around. They obviously scored first against against Georgia at home. Um, they've had they've been better in Nashville than they've been on the road. Uh, you know they could hang around and make this a competitive game. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, I, and I would be I would be surprised if Auburn blew them out. But I think it would be it would say a lot about this team if they did. You know they're only a 12, 13 point favorite for a reason. I think Vanderbilt can hang around there. Auburn plays a clean game on both sides of the ball. They should take care of business and get a big win. Justin, really appreciate you spending a little time with us, and uh, it sounds like you weren't even an accident or anything, so that's that's always good. Yeah, absolutely. There's just one amb- ambulance driver who's getting really aggressive behind me, but other than that, uh, we're good. We're, we're parked now, and uh, all is well. He might he might have been in a hurry, but hey, all, all the best, Justin. Safe travels. We will, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, Justin Ferguson joining us for the last couple of segments. We'll get to our top-of-the-hour break, approaching the halfway point. David Pascal joins us from Chattanooga in hour number two, and you can as well here on the Thursday Drive. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in to hour number two here on the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan got Drew at the controls. Our thanks. Justin Ferguson usually with us here in the studio. Uh, he's got some things going on over in Atlanta and uh, calling us through like rush hour traffic. Now that's that that's either brave or not very very bright. But we whatever we really appreciate him spending some time with us, giving us his insight on Auburn basketball last night and looking ahead to Auburn football this weekend. I can assure you, Justin Ferguson uh, was uh, was was keeping safety. Well, he uh, said it mind. was hands it was hands free. Yeah, and we, our connection, so we, that's good. We appreciate Justin making some time for us uh, during his busy stretch here. He mentioned he'll be doing some. Uh, some traveling to see Auburn on the road, men's basketball and football on the road these next couple of weeks. Vanderbilt. He's going to be doing both. What? What? A, yeah. He's going to put some some miles up just between now. All right, he's already gone from Auburn to Atlanta. He's going to be in Nashville this weekend. He's going to be in Sioux City next Tuesday, and he'll be in Fayetteville next Saturday. I, I think Justin's brand loyal to, like, one hotel chain, and I think he's racked up, like, a lot of points. with, uh, with, with whatever, That would do it. Whatever, uh, with whatever hotel chain that is. So I think, yeah, Ferguson's uh, uh, leveraging uh, all of that uh, all of that travel, and we will uh, yeah, hope, hope to hear from uh, from Justin soon. But, but yeah, he's uh, he's got some, some busy days ahead of him. Yeah, so uh, 
We appreciate him spending a little bit of time with us. Right now, we're going to go to the uh, Drive Hotline and welcome in our regular Thursday guest here in this segment. And that, of course, is David Paschal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and just uh, wrapping up a show a few minutes ago on ESPN Chattanooga. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we're doing fine. We've had some uh, had some really nice weather down here. It's been been a little cooler, but not I mean not frigid or anything like that. It is November, and we had a little basketball last night. Got football coming up, coming off a win in football where the offense actually played well. So right now, um, you know, all things seem fine. And it, you know, and of course, we talk a lot of history on this show, and it is kind of wild because usually. Auburn's Novembers can be really demanding, and this one, by comparison, is Ooh. is kind of there for the taking to have like a really nice finish. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, they went through that four game stretch of playing ranked teams, lost all four of them, and uh, then then last week with um, you know, I guess you know, not many expectations from folks of what the what they saw offensively. I had a feeling that that they were going to try to open it up and see how things went. But they went, I think, much better than just about anyone could have expected coming out, getting the ball, going 75 yards in short term, both their first uh, possessions, and uh, seeing Peyton Thorne throw for nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Uh, but, but, yes, the schedule is much more manageable here from the Mississippi State win to road trips to – Bandy and Arkansas, a couple of teams that are really struggling before they uh, play New Mexico State at home, uh, an opportunity for them to get on a bit of a roll before the Crimson Tide rolls in the end of the season. And one game I was kind of keeping an eye on last week, just, uh, you know, which would have really made Auburn look good is if Cal had held on against uh, USC. I, uh, they I know made USC's been point, playing really kidding. weird, but, yeah, that would have been a huge uh, – Huge win for Cal, which would have made that Auburn win out there look all the better. Yeah, really impressive performance by Cal. Almost got that one done, but uh, not not quite. Um, you want you want to you want to start with Auburn Vandy? You want to you want to get? Uh, well, let's yeah. Well, any other any other games from last week? You were now you were at the Tennessee Kentucky game, right? Correct. You know, and it's interesting because the big game last week was obviously in Jacksonville, and and I think we talked about it a little last week. I know I've. You know, last week only enhanced what I've been saying all along. That game is a you, – you go down and cover it. It's a colorful game. It's, uh, you know, it's in a unique setting. But the games are mostly terrible. I mean, that was the ninth time in ten games where it's been decided by more than two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, and it's just one of those Georgia's won the last three by 72 points. I've, there were a lot of years I went down there and Spurrier lit them up. There were a lot of years I went down there and – Urban Meyer lit him up, and so you know it's just it's one of these games that just one team just kind of there's just been so many times I've covered that game that when the fourth stadium is empty, and that's the way it was Saturday. <laughs> it was thirty six to seven after three quarters. Oh yeah, Florida scores late to cut it to twenty three. So uh, so yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was it was definitely a blowout. Yeah, let's uh, uh, let's go ahead. I want want to uh, we've got more entertaining games this week. Although I thought. Um, Tennessee made a little made a uh, there were a lot of people that thought you know Kentucky was going to hold its ground at home last week but I thought Tennessee played well. Yeah, it was a weird game that totally shifted during the game because you know Kentucky obviously wanted to come out and try to 
pound Tennessee the way they pounded Florida with Ray Davis. But, uh, you know, Tennessee's had a pretty good run defense this year. Uh, the only one that really got them, and that was by surprise, was, was Trevor Etienne down in Gainesville. But, um, you know, so Tennessee was sold out to stop the run. And to Kentucky's credit, you know, Devin Leary had been very disappointing. I think he was averaging about 196 passing yards a game. Well, he lights Tennessee no up for 373, and that just kind of became one of those deals where Tennessee would be up two scores, Kentucky would cut it to one, Tennessee up two, one, and then uh, Tennessee, to its credit, after Kentucky pulled within 33-27, was able to salt the last four minutes away. But it's really wild to think that, that Mark Stoops is the winningest coach in Kentucky history, and he's 2-20 and 20 against Tennessee and Georgia. 2-20. and 20. But It's a good thing to be, to, or at least to have been, in the SEC East. Do what now? I said it's a good thing to have been in the SEC East over the <laughs> last few years. I mean, yeah, yeah it's no a shame, shame you've lost to those teams, but then you've got some other ones that, that haven't been quite – uh, as good. Hey, let's yeah, let, let's jump into some of the games this week. There's some a couple of really um, games that are going to decide, you know, who's going to be playing in Atlanta. You've got one in the East, one in the West. Missouri is is a team there. You know, they're that uh, they look like they had LSU, and then things got away from them there at the end. That's that's it. I mean, they're going uh, they're going into Athens. Um, with a chance, with a win, to to you know to to really put themselves in great shape. I don't see it, um, but is Georgia going to be as impressive as they were last week? I I don't know. Georgia has been a team that up until last week, a lot of people were wondering. You know, are they really are they really as uh, a team deserving of just putting them back in the playoffs? And last week they said yes. What what do you think about that matchup this weekend? Well, I mean, this time last week, I was singing their praises. I, I, I certainly didn't get the Auburn-Mississippi State score right, but I did say that, that I thought Georgia would, you know, had the chance to really put it together. That A lot of people I were talking to thought it would be what transpired. I mean, if you really do look at Georgia, though, Bill, I mean, you know, the Kentucky game, the Florida game, in between you had Vanderbilt, and, and I know that was a 37-20. That doesn't sound impressive, but like we talked about, I think Georgia had like, 550 yards, and Vandy had like 219 or something. I mean, Georgia has started to put it together. There's no Mm -hmm. question that their October was significantly more impressive than their September. And so you do kind of have to go with the here and now. I mean, Georgia is getting players healthier. Yes, the Brock Bowers injury was significant, but otherwise they're getting healthier. They're getting some offensive linemen back. Uh, They're, 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 you know, I just think they're becoming a more complete Every game is another game for Carson Beck to be more mature. And, uh, you know, I, I read where he gets pressured on, on only 15.8% of his dropbacks. I mean, it's incredible. Ironically, uh, uh, the lowest is Bo Nix. He's even lower. Carson Beck's the second lowest in that stat. Hmm. And, and you think about Bo Nix at Oregon and just how, you know, when he was at Auburn, a lot of the time he was running for his life. And now he's, like, facing less dropback pressure than any quarterback in the country, but I digress. Carson Beck second on that list. I just think Georgia takes care of business. I think last year's game being so close up in Como really does help Georgia. So I think Georgia wins this thing 17-21 points. Talking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press here on the Thursday edition of the show. I think uh, A&M and Ole Miss could have an interesting game 
this weekend, I David. I, I don't know. Ole Miss has had a better season. Uh, Ole Miss still in the hunt for the SEC West and beyond. Uh, they've got A&M and Georgia the next two weeks, which is a, a pretty tough stretch for anybody. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think this, uh, this A&M-Ole Miss game could be, uh, uh, could, could be really close. What are you thinking? I think this this game fascinates me because, I mean, this is just such a great couch potato week. I mean, you think about this game at noon and then Georgia-Missouri, you got that 3.30, 7.45 doubleheader or, or 2.30, 6.45 your time. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is – think about what this game means for Jimbo because you've had Lane Kiffin popping off all week. Right. I mean, on you know, on Monday – you know, he was asked about, hey, what's it? what do you think about being, you know, ranked in the top ten for a third straight year? And he's like, you know, this is it's pretty neat. It brings attention to our program. And it's like, especially when you're getting ready for a team you would think would be the one ranked in the top ten three straight years with all the talent they have. And then on Wednesday, yesterday's teleconference, he calls them the best five and three team ever. And then a, and then a reporter from Texas A&M asked him why he likes to push their buttons. And he's like, you know, that's a good question. He's like, I like the Aggies. They're they're great at raising money and getting players. I mean, he has just stuck to that all week. And I bring that up because if, if Jimbo loses this one, and, and, you know, I think they probably do. I mean, you know, Texas A&M has got to do something about their road woes. I mean, you know, they looked good at home last week, but they've just got that road losing streak that's really mounting up now. Uh, but I just think this would be a devastating loss for Jimbo because, you know, Texas A&M, they're, you know, they're, they're wanting to challenge the Alabamas and LSUs, you know, like Auburn does, wanting to challenge the Alabamas and LSUs. And, and if you have teams like Ole Miss getting you and you're, you're paying Jimbo what they're paying them, I mean, you know, we were hearing before the year that, you know, if this wasn't a good year, they, they've got the money to do something about it. And, this, guys, this would put them at five and four. Yeah, yeah they lose this one, they're going to be seven and five. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so it, it you're right. It is a very uh, interesting game. All right, may, maybe not as interesting for different reasons, but there there appear to be some rumblings coming out of Arkansas that this you know that, that they need to win this ball game this week, and that's not an easy task going to Gainesville. Is Florida going to be reeling that much from last week, or can Arkansas get things? Can Arkansas get things turned around? I just don't know if they can. Yeah, and, and again, this is just such a great week for games, and you've got this game that, that's not getting talked about really because of the other ones on the slate, but you've got the interesting dynamic of we know Dan Eno's sitting there anymore. You've got this 32-year-old play caller now, Kenny Guyton, uh, you know, calling plays for the first time. So I think that's going to be a unique adjustment from, you know, for Florida, you know, going up against that. I, I don't – obviously, you don't, I don't think you reinvent the wheel. You don't have time to – uh, but but they did have an open date, and, mm-hmm. and, and what kind of new wrinkles will a new offensive coordinator have there? The problem is you can't go out on the waiver wire and get any offensive linemen like Arkansas needs to do. I mean, they've just had a struggling running game all year. I mean, I saw the stat where, where Arkansas's never won in Gainesville. Florida's right. like 5-0 and against them by the average margin of like 23 points, but some of those were like Spurrier beatdowns. I think this game's a, a single possession game. I just I I'm not going to go against Florida in the swamp when you're talking about Arkansas. So I do like Florida. I just think it's I think it's a good game though. Hey, you know it's it's a a team that's not really getting national title buzz because they do have two losses 
But LSU's playing about as well as anybody in college football right now, and I think they got a good shot uh, on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, which is not a place uh, where, uh, where where teams routinely go in as road wins as road opponents although it has happened LSU historically has been better in Tuscaloosa than they have been in Baton Rouge against Alabama true true and I, th- I think this is just a fascinating uh SEC on CBS primetime finale I mean what a just a great mm-hmm. way to go out I, I don't know if either one of these teams are going to be in the playoff they're both on the outside looking in so they've had bigger games that they've shown in primetime but just how good this game could potentially be is fascinating. And I try to, you know, you kind of try to look at the strengths and weaknesses. And if you had to pick the four units, uh, LSU's offense is clearly the best. I'd probably go next with Bama's defense. And then third, I'd put Bama's offense, but they're the shakiest. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, obviously, Milrow didn't play against South Florida where they look terrible. But, I mean, if you combine – the second half of the Arkansas game with the first half of the Tennessee game, that was a pretty bad 60 minutes offensively. But mm-hmm. but the, the fourth unit has got to be LSU's defense, right. which took a hit with Makai Wingo not being the, you know not going to play the rest of the year. So I it would not surprise me if if this is one of those teams that has the ball last shootout. Runs. I mean, yes. I picked I, I picked Alabama 38-34, but that's that's by no means a a convincing pick. I, I just think this game could be fabulous. Yeah, this is. I think it's going to be a fun show. I, I am with you uh, 100%. I've said it a couple of times. Man, I'm telling you what, both fan bases seem extremely confident I right not, now. I mean, Alabama fans like the way they're getting better. LSU fans feel like they're better than they were a year ago. Uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, n- nothing against this Alabama team because they've, re- you know, they've rallied since losing to Texas. I, I don't know how confident I could feel playing LSU with the level that off, you know, with the way that offense is putting up numbers and especially Jaden Daniels like that to me is, I mean, if, if it's, if it's a shootout, it's hard not to pick, not to pick LSU. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like they might have the, the, the top gunslinger in college football right now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Alabama did a fantastic job against Ole Miss. Uh, I think Ole Miss is more dependent on hitting that big play and they, and they don't have just the offensive weaponry. They've got a, they got nice offensive weapons, just not across the board. I mean, I, I would lose my mind as a defensive coordinator trying to stop LSU with the way because what Daniels ran for ninety five on them last year. I mean, his his six yards to carry almost just running the ball is just I mean just a phenomenal headache you'd have to deal with. Oh, there's no question about it. And wanted to get your thoughts on Auburn, Vandy. Auburn obviously is a solid favorite in this ball game. Uh, the the question is, you know, will will they be able to continue what they were doing last week? Have the success they did offensively when they go on the road? Have y'all talked about the historical aspect? This is for the, the series. This is, that's right. It, absolutely right. It's twenty one twenty one and and is it twenty one twenty one and one? I know it's twenty one. Uh, yeah, 21 I think it's twenty one. Yeah, it is such a fascinating deal when you think about how how good Auburn is historically uh, against all these programs. I mean, Auburn has played Alabama. As, as well or better than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about Auburn led the series with Georgia until about 15 years ago when Georgia really went on this run. Uh, but Auburn leads the all-time series with Tennessee. Auburn leads the all-time series with Florida. Uh, Auburn trails against LSU, but it's not that bad. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you've just got this weird deal where Vandy was so good uh, in the early 1900s. I mean, really the first half of the 1900s, uh, they were so good and played Auburn a decent amount 
Uh, and then the two teams didn't play from 55 until 78. Auburn's won 14 of the last 16 to tie the series. But so very interesting historical aspect to this. I think Auburn wins. I think, you know, Vandy's defense has just been bad an issue all year long. Uh, really, you know, you kind of knew it when they lost that UNLV game. You're just like, whoa, because that was their second. And even that loss to Wake Forest at the time, you're like, well, Wake's not that bad. Well, yeah, they are this year. So um, Auburn should win this game, I think, because it's, you know, this is Bandy's last home game, I believe. So I think there will be the excitement of the senior stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me if this is closer than people expect, longer than people expect. So I'm not going to go gaga over Auburn with this one. I think it's more of like a 7-10 to 10 point win. I, I, I'm not sure it's just going to be huge uh, just because I think this is kind of – I think a lot of people up there are kind of viewing this as Vandy's last stand for the year. Well, yeah, it, it is. But but David is David is uh, still Missouri on Auburn for the time being. So we, we, will, <laughs> we will see. Uh, David, great stuff as always. Um, let everybody know how they can keep up with everything that you do. Timesfreepress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. And where are you this weekend? I am actually got a, a, a noon game up in Knoxville, so I'm just going to zip up and oh, that's zip good. back. You know, the, yeah, the two games we didn't talk about, you got Tennessee, UConn, and South Carolina, Jack State. So those are the two that are kind of ho-hum. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited because I love the fact that I'll be back you get you know, to watch. Maybe even by the fourth fourth quarter of Georgia, Missouri. Uh, that's good. All right, uh, David, thanks again. Have a great weekend. You guys do the same. Take care. David Pascal joining us as he does every Thursday. See you, David. Uh, we will get to our first break of hour number two. Love for you to join in. We'll open up the phone lines, 334-321-1390, as we continue with the Thursday Drive. Life isn't made for drive. Call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 24 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. Our thanks again to David Pascal joining us this hour. Justin Ferguson uh, with us on the road here in hour number one. Hour number two of The Drive, by the way, is brought to you by our good, uh, the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. Let's get to the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. And John is up first. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. I just had a, uh, a comment, I guess. I saw where, uh, or just read an article where uh, one of Auburn's uh, commits running back from Andalusia had decommitted. Yeah, Jamari and Burnett, and, uh, I think we mentioned yesterday that it, it sort of looked like that was about to happen. Um, it's a it's a position where Auburn isn't in as a dire a need. There's been quite a bit of rumbling that uh, uh, Jarquez Hunter, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, all of the backs, I guess, except Brian Batie, um, look like they're coming back next year. So, um, I mean, it's he's a really good running back from Andalusia. And yeah. well, reading reading further into that article, they said he had a uh, NIL evaluation of a hundred thousand dollars a year. And one thought is, if you commit early, doesn't that give your opposition time to find out what your going rate is? And yes, uh, yes, it? indeed, that does. And also, who who the hell is paying for all this stuff? These kids do. Um, I mean, that's a that's a lot of money. You're right. You're right about that. But uh, they're getting it, and it's not just it's it's not just monopoly money. They're they're getting this. 
And that's I, just one player. Yes. I mean, I, I would think the answer to the question, who is funding NIL collectives, are people with a lot of disposable income that want influence in their athletic department because, or their, their preferred school's athletic department. Because if you're funding, uh, you know, if you're funding the NIL operations and, and, and playing a role in these kids coming to school, uh, you know, maybe you come away thinking your opinion matters uh, more than the average person's when it's time to, you know, make, make, uh, make something known. I don't know the answer to uh, who's at, you know, where's this money actually coming from, but it sounds like it's yeah, folks who, uh, uh, who want to, uh, you know, want, want, want to make their voices heard. Yeah, because even if the average fan came off $100 a year to contribute, that's a, a drop in the bucket. Uh, but the, is that even a tax write-off to donate cash money to a student athlete? Do not believe it is. No, I, I think there was actually some discussion about mm-hmm. that and, and how there, there, are, there are charitable donations you can make that benefit a school's athletic department, but I think NIL collectives do not qualify for those kind of donations. Well, needless to say, I'm of the uh, generation that finds it completely appalling and ridiculous to pay that kind of money, pay anything other than education. But I know yeah, if I'm you're going to compete, you got to do it. But uh, the other thing, uh, I didn't make it to the uh, exhibition game last night, but I heard you say that uh, Auburn shot woefully from three and shot 20%. But I remember many occasions last year we shot like 12% from three. So that's a that seems to be an uptick. Well, they had some good looks, and a few of the shots looked like they were looked like they were going in, and they were just off. I mean, they've got some guys that I've seen shoot it a whole lot better. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm sort of I'm sort of with the I'm with Bruce on this. I think they're going to shoot the three pretty well. They apparently did really well against Furman, shooting the three. Uh, Denver Jones was four for eight. The rest of the team was one for seventeen. And uh, is Janai? going to be able to play or is he injured seriously Bruce said he didn't think it was anything serious I you know I, I hope he's back soon uh, because Auburn really really needs him I mean uh, by the way he he made another preseason first team all SEC today um, shoulders are shoulders are tricky we were talking about it earlier in the show John you know shoulders are a, you know a thing where uh, you, you you know a lot of it's a lot of it's going to be time if, if, if there's not going to be uh, you know, a procedure or an operation. We have no reason to believe that's that's in the cards right now. It could just be, uh, you know, it could be time and rest and, and rehab and, and when it's feeling good. Um, I don't know what uh, what his status is. They obviously they'd love to have Janai for uh, for Baylor next week. It's a good Baylor team with with a track record. But uh, yeah, shoulders are uh, shoulders are shoulders. So right now we don't really we don't really have much more than uh, he he was uh, he was on the bench with ice uh, throughout the rest of the game. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all's uh, time. Y'all have a good afternoon. Appreciate it, John. You know, I think by the end of the game, or at least there in the second half, the ice bag. The, yeah, I, I didn't notice. The I ice couldn't bag. tell if it was under the hoodie or if like the hoodie was holding some ice. Well, there, maybe or... it had melted because I didn't notice okay. anything that that sort of you know I, I noticed the size of it when he first had it on. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's back soon. Hey, it's more important to have him as healthy as possible for as much of the season as possible than to you know, put him out there if there's a question uh, against Baylor on, on Tuesday. At least he's, he's got a few days to see how things go. I'm, I'm sure that today probably didn't feel very good after, after that uh, last night. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Still plenty of time for you to join in here in the final half hour on the Thursday Drive. 
with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final 20, uh, 25 minutes or so here on this Thursday with Bill and Dan. Yeah, love your thoughts on anything going on in the world of sports. A lot is uh, a lot is happening. Sort of got the juxtaposition of uh, of a few different sports here. What are you thinking for Bama LSU? Like where where are you? I'm thinking it's going to be a high scoring ball game. Yeah. Um, I probably lean out about lean lean toward Alabama, but I did take LSU in the points. So how does in in Doug's picking contest now? now if LSU wins. And then next week, Georgia beats Ole Miss. Then LSU's going to be most likely. I mean, Texas A&M's trying to play spoiler to keep LSU out of Atlanta. But LSU would have a chance. Yes, that, they would. That, LSU that, would control their destiny. LSU would have the tiebreaker with Bama, and they would both maybe be in position to finish the year 7-1. Yeah. and one. Auburn would also be in position to play spoiler uh, in, in the Iron Bowl. Down of, course, the line I mean, if, if, of course, if, if LSU beats Alabama, they, they don't need – they wouldn't necessarily need Auburn's help. It would, yeah, if, if LSU, unless they don't win out, right? You know, if, if LSU were to drop a game, but no, it, it does feel like unless unless Ole Miss were to keep winning, that's know, the least likely scenario to me for Ole Miss to go seven and one in the conference. Well, with with a game, they're going to lose. They will lose either this week to A and M or next week in Athens. I think. They will lose next week in Athens, regardless. Yeah, I wouldn't say either. Weekend. I mean, they lose. They lose yeah. Saturday. I mean, they're going to lose at least one of those games. You would be stunned at a two and zero. Like a yes, se- a I would. One a seven and one Ole Miss. You know what? For the, for all the talk going into the season about how this could be the best Ole Miss team in a generation or multiple generations, whatever. They've got a chance to prove it. If they if they're if they're eleven and one with, yes. with a loss in Tuscaloosa and a win in Athens, yes, absolutely. That's that's true of this. Uh, of this Ole Miss team. I'm yeah, not sure. We'll find out here over the next two weeks because they, they close out with uh, ULM and Mississippi State. Right, which and feels – they should win both. If they won the other two, it would be – you talk about the one of the biggest upsets of the year if they lost either of those two. I mean, Ole, Ole Miss-Georgia could be – I mean, it, it just – Could it, be a huge game. Could be a huge game. does feel like Georgia's got – I still – and, and, I, and, I, and I think – yeah, I, I did. I picked Ole Miss – but I would not be surprised at all if A and M, yeah, A and M beats them this. I weekend. struggle with that game in the uh, in, in the picking contest because I would I I think Jackson Dart has has looked shaky at times this year when there's been pressure, and A and M can put some pressure yeah, on a quarterback. I mean A and M's front seven is is about as good as anyone's in in college football, so I think that's that's going to be a uh, a real challenge for this Ole Miss. I mean, it's a, a good Ole Miss offense. Jackson Dart can make the throws, multiple running backs, Bentley. Uh, Quinshawn, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous group. Mm-hmm. Um, but and if they can get some points, you know, I don't think A and M wants to find themselves in a. No, no, they don't want. They don't want to be in a shootout. Although Max Johnson will air it out if if they uh, if they need to. I think I think that's going to be a uh, that's that's going to be a really interesting noon uh, 11, 11 a.m. kick here. Oh, uh, I agree. Uh, I agree. This here on Saturday, fun, fun games throughout the day. Of course, the uh, the Auburn Bandy game and SEC Network game at three o'clock. Uh, so that's right in the middle of everything that's uh, that's going on. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get back to the drive hotline. And Yellowhammer is next. Hey, Yellowhammer, what's up, Hammer? Hey, afternoon. Uh, I'd like to hear you two ramble along about uh, the 
quarterback comparison between LSU and Alabama. I've watched enough of LSU to think, man, that guy's a dude. <laughs> he is. Yeah, Jaden Daniels uh, is is a guy that I mean, he has been deadly both passing and running. They're both extremely athletic quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow is a big, fast, strong-armed guy, but his problem has been with the intermediate passes. He is he really throws a good deep ball, and uh, he is a big, fast runner. Just not quite as he's nowhere as polished as uh, Jaden Daniels is. That had sort of been a question about Daniels last year when he arrived at LSU from Arizona State. I mean, he's a guy that had had some great games and he'd had some okay games. There, there are a lot of Alabama fans that feel like, well, Jalen Milrow is sort of following that track because he has definitely improved uh, earlier this season. You know, you didn't know what you were going to get from him. Now he's put up some pretty decent numbers lately. But but Daniels, the LSU quarterback, is, I mean, he's a guy that should be, I think, in the in the talks of players invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Right, and, and I don't know, I mean, NFL, the, the, the jump from college to the NFL is tough, but Jaden Daniels looks like he has everything you could want in a quarterback at the next level, too. It's a huge experience gap between Daniels and Milrow, too. I mean, oh, da- yes. Daniels is... He's a fifth-year... Fifth-year guy. And he started yes, I was gonna since s- he was a freshman. I mean, the Auburn game The Auburn game was his 50th career start, and that was... Uh, so so this is going to be... This will be Jaden Daniels' 52nd career start as a college football player Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. I think for Milrow, that number is closer to 8 or 10... Uh, so so it's a uh, it's a huge gap in the number of games these two quarterbacks have played, and, and I just I mean unless it, it's going to take a great effort from Alabama all around because I don't think it comes down to who's got the better quarterback. If it does, uh, it, it, it's hard not to pick LSU. Mm-hmm. Talk about defensive pressure though, and how they both will match up there. Uh, well, Alabama is much better defensively than LSU. LSU now LSU ha- may have the best defensive player in Harold Perkins. I mean, he may be the guy with the highest ceiling defensively, but they've lost one of their better defenders for the year in Makai Wingo. Uh, They had already uh, suffered a a tragic loss there in the secondary. LSU still has a lot of talent, but, boy, Alabama is uh, just – they're getting better and better defensively. And they're playing at home, and yes, it kind of looks like Bama is going to do it, doesn't it? Um, well, that's why they're the favorite. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. Appreciate the call, Yellowhammer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I think that's that's another game where uh, hard to pick against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, even though I know they've already lost a game in Tuscaloosa. You know, this year, but they have had they have had moments where at times they will seem to have lapses and give up big plays. You blink against LSU, and there's a big play. Yeah, and I think how how Alabama's offense attacks the LSU defense is going to be uh, is, is going to be interesting because you know Alabama's been. I mean, McClellan's come on strong, and Alabama's been able to uh, find something on the ground. And I think that's what Nick Saban has wanted. He wants a team that can pound on you, pound on you keep the ball away while they're pounding you, hopefully into submission. Does, does LSU have the kind of athletes defensively where they can force Alabama 
to get off schedule know. and they can't run at the way Alabama wants to run and they, and they have to maybe put the ball in the air and, and, and let Milrow take some chances because you feel like for LSU, you know, that's, that's where either, either they're not going to be able to sustain drives doing that or Milrow could make a mistake and an LSU mm-hmm. say, you know, an, an LSU could take advantage of it. Yeah, and meanwhile, LSU's gotten better running the ball as well. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a really intriguing matchup. Uh, it, it is a couple of teams with a lot of talent. There will be a lot of guys that will be playing on Sundays out there on the field Saturday. You can't focus on stopping one thing with LSU's offense. Like, you can't be like, oh, no. we're going we're gonna to keep, uh, you know, keep Jaden Daniels from beating us with his legs. It's like, okay, well, he'll beat you with his arm. Well, how, and the other and how do you do that thing? How do you think? Because you can't just try to contain him because he's so deadly when there's a gap up the right. middle. I mean, I mean, so many times you think of a quarterback getting yards, it's because he's uh, outflanked you and he's gotten outside. And he can do that. There's no question. But it's times when uh, he's dropping back to pass, defenders are dropping in coverage against Malik Neighbors and company, and there's a crease and he's running, and all of a sudden the defensive backs are running along, and here's a guy that can run as fast as they are running in the, you know, running full speed ahead, and they're going to have to turn and try to chase him. Yeah, do you, do you put – do you put someone uh, when it's man coverage? Do you, do you try to have a, a spy or somebody you know accounting for Jaden Daniels? Then that, you're playing ten on that's eleven. That's one less guy covering yeah. one of their, their or deadly receivers, or one less pass rusher coming right. after Jaden Daniels. So I mean, there's there's not a uh, not not an obvious blueprint for, uh, for for how to slow it down. Like I said, I don't. I think you just have to play them honest and hope that your front your front four gets pressure without having to blitz. Your secondary holds up against the LSU receivers and. I mean, it's, it's it doesn't sound easy. No, who's? I mean, who has really slowed LSU down? Florida this State's year? Florida State's come the closest, right? Florida State in the opener, and that was game the, one. It was game one it was down a, in Orlando. Yeah, and, and, and LSU, and they still moved the ball. LSU, well. yeah, it's a couple turnovers, right? And I mean, it was it yeah. wasn't just uh, when, when wasn't as though the the offense was uh, was struggling, but because but it, it wasn't, it, you know, Ole Miss just outscored them. Oh, but no, since then, I mean, no, I mean, since then, LSU has scored. Uh, 41 against Mississippi State, 34 against Arkansas, 49 against Ole Miss, 49 against Missouri, 48 against Auburn. Like those are their power five. Those, those are power five totals since uh, since that Florida State game. They still scored 24 points in the FSU game, but since then they've been a uh, they've been a juggernaut. Oh yeah, absolutely. Appreciate the call, Yellowhammer. We'd love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join us on the Thursday drive. The Edward Via College of Austin.